Welcome to the Brunch and Slay podcast, your weekly dose of inspiration. Well, we remember that if she can, I can, we all can. I'm your host, Amira Sain, founder of Brunch and Slay, a lifestyle brand created to inspire women to live their best life every day. Okay, I want you to blink twice if you've ever had a time in your life where you felt like, this is it, I'm done, I'm cashing out, like, I'm at the bottom of the barrel, nothing good can come from this moment. Did you blink? I know you've had one of those, and if you haven't, God bless you, I'm so glad that you haven't, but it's coming, girl. (laughs) Keep living. But seriously, today's guest, Michelle Govan, is a talent agent who owns a profitable magnificent talent agency that manages talent that you've seen everywhere from the Bates Motel uh, to shoot Stranger Things. She is a woman who is is up in Canada who is helping actors find their way and negotiating like a beast. But she wasn't always there. You know, you probably hear about people and I always think, you know, Ari Gold when I think talent agency, talent agent, right? And how do they get started? But Michelle's story of how she got started is so polar opposite, right? She didn't go the traditional route and go get a law degree and become an agent. No, she fell into this after a series of unfortunate events. She was working for someone else, lost a lot of things, lost some love and found herself a single mom, single mom having to navigate a pregnant woman. You know, I can resonate with that. I was laid off six months pregnant and had to figure it out. She is, I don't like to use the word scrappy, but she's an innovator. She's someone who figured it out and keeps figuring it out, has done it for well over 20 years. She's a boss. She's a red carpet aficionado. She is a person who takes careers and makes them magic. And I want you guys to listen. Even if you're not in the world of entertainment, there's so many nuggets that can be learned from women who just keep on pushing and don't give up. Those people who learn how to navigate when their back is against the wall. And today's show is no different. And Michelle is just what what you want to call a boss. So listen to today's show. Enjoy it. If you get anything out of it, just even one little nugget, just tag me or DM me and tell me your favorite part of the show or Michelle. And I'm sure she would love to hear it because that's why we do it. That's why we take these moments to share with you guys. So you know that you're not alone. And if you're at the bottom of the barrel right now, girl, I can tell you the only place to go is up. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the show. You know, today we're having a first. We have had lots of fun, fabulous people on the show who are in the entertainment industry, but we've never had someone who actually represents them and gets them in all the things that we see them on. So today's guest, Michelle Govan, is a talent agent and a podcast host. She represents some of the faces you see every week and on big screens and the small screens. So help me welcome Michelle to the show. Hey, Michelle. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, man. How is Canada? Well, uh, it's it's pretty good. I'm in BC. I'm in Vancouver, and uh, we are enjoying some of the normal things of life, considering what we've been through in the last four and a half months. Right. Still, very much like living in a sci-fi movie. I never thought we'd have masks everywhere and plexiglass. So, you know, sunny, but uh, kind of bizarre. Oh, I understand. You know, I'm. I really am. Imp- I'm trying to purposely find silver linings every single day um, and really focus on what is adding value, right? And I think we've adapted. I think 
having a prolonged period has really taught us how to go virtual, taught us how to not necessarily be sitting next to someone and still get great things done, which I love. Um, And then, of course, we're focusing on family, right? And we're telling people we love them. So I'm trying to convince myself that 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 is everything, which it is, right? (laughs) You know, I my biggest thing is I have to wake up with purpose. Even when we were on lockdown, I had to have purpose. So I was doing a lot of uh, Zoom calls with acting coaches and trying to get the word out to actors and try to be supportive when everybody was so quiet because the film industry completely shut down for four plus months. So we're only just back now, but I'm the same. I have to be grateful. I've got to find some reason to be happy every day, all day. Yeah, yeah. And I'm and I'm so glad you talked about the film industry and how it's had to pivot. Um, I'm really interested in how you you know, we're there for your your clients and, and the industry and what the industry could use from us as a people now. You know, how are we going to move forward? What does that look like? You know, it's it was hard. I, I think for me, especially being in Vancouver, we didn't really have cases turning up. We were, we seemed like we were fine. It's, I thought we were invincible. And all of a sudden, one day the word came down, we were just all shut down. So it was a very, it wasn't like we were watching numbers growing and we were hearing things are changing. It was, we were all at our desks, at our office, humming along, everybody's great. And all of a sudden, bam, gone, everything removed. So the film industry is adapting. We're adapting. I I think the hard part is, is that uh, I felt filming should have been deemed essential. I didn't think it should have been shut down, but actually what we found out was filming wasn't shut down. It was the fact that how would we ensure the the productions? How would we make sure that there was safety? And so that's what took the time is to get those protocols in place. So, you know, we just want to make sure that the film industry gets back up and running so we continue to have content to watch because right now we're all about to run out of content in about six months. You know, it's, it's I thought about that probably two days ago when I noticed that Netflix and Hulu were doing a mad push for buying uh, the rights to old content, right? Yeah. So that they can give binging is is what we all have become accustomed to, right? We do not want to wait, oh, right? We want to watch True Blood. I've always <laughs> watched it. It was so fun. And have I, you never watched it before? I've never seen it. What? Yes. Oh my gosh, Sookie Stackhouse. Oh my gosh. No, I loved it. And actually I've met McCod Brooks in person and actually had dinner with him and and a client of mine dated him. So we, it was neat to see him on the show. And of course, like, well, Suki and a pack actually shot in Canada show not too long ago in Toronto. So it's, it's, it was cool to watch, but no, we need the binging. And this is the problem. You know, people are all so excited to watch Ozark season three during their quarantine. And then all of a sudden it's only about to start shooting in two months. I mean, that means it's going to back into like next summer. The earliest we're going to see that is next fall. So we're almost a year out of new content. Yeah. So everybody be ready to watch a lot of old series that are going to be rerun on these platforms. <laughs> oh, I agree. Right. And they'll probably be green lighting some, some more, um, I guess those that take less of a, less of a cast, right? So there'll be a lot of comedy specials. Probably they'll they'll get real inventive. But you know what? Part of me is a little happy that people have to start reinventing the way things are done because it was stagnant in so many ways and just not even entertainment. I mean, so many industries have been doing things the same way over and over again because it's always been done that way. And yeah. for years, I have been saying because I've always worked virtually. 
my entire career, even when I worked for someone else, has always been work from home. Only probably maybe a year and a half out of my entire career since I graduated college has been in the office where I had to sit at a desk. And I've always said that it's antiquated, right? People don't need to have you to be right outside your door to do good work. You know when someone's not working immediately. It's not It's not very hard to tell. And now seeing so many companies realize that, wow, how much money have we been wasting by paying this massive lease or this electricity bill? Let people be close to their kids. Let them be better employees because they can go to that school program, you know, when the world opens back up. Uh, I hope that they- have been closed. We, we've remained- closed just because unfortunately the building is very populated and there's communal bathrooms. And for us, our office is safe, but I wouldn't want a client to come in or my assistant get sick or, you know, we, we made that decision. So yeah, we're, we've gone all virtual. Everything's virtual. I think the hard part though is I'm sad for the actors that are got, getting their fine art, or, sorry, their first nomination for an Emmy or they got to the Cannes Film Festival. One of my clients was on the daytime Emmys and he was in his living room in a tuxedo on Zoom. And here I am watching him on a patio on my iPhone instead of standing next to him being so proud. I was proud, but far. So it's taking some of the, the passion. That's the only thing I'm struggling with is before when we'd have a long day, we'd go to a restaurant and celebrate and hug people and really enjoy being served and, and being in an environment that had some kind of amazing atmosphere. Yeah. Now being so sterile. And, so right. and sets too, you have to understand that when people used to film, there was a lot of camaraderie and the director would get everybody in a room and play music and go, this is the theme. This is what we want to feel today. None of that's happening. You walk on set, you wash your hands, you're fever tested, you're gloved, you're masked, you're shielded and you're separated. Mm. So, I'm trying to keep my clients calm. I'm trying to keep them, because I already have, we've been filming for almost two months now in Vancouver. And the States started about a month ago, but mostly um, soap operas. Mm-hmm. So we're norm- right now we're in a lot of movie of the weeks and commercials. We don't go into our series really for another week. And then the US series start up in about a month. They're a little bit behind, of course, getting their protocols. But I keep telling my clients, like, don't lose that passion. Go to set. Yes, handle the protocols, but keep that passion. Because that's what, like I said, I'm struggling with that. I'm struggling and I can't just hug someone when I see them on the street mm-hmm. and we're like elbow bumping or hip checking. And, but no, I totally like get you, that. Yeah, I used to work from I, yeah. home. I was single forever. So I worked from home till my daughter was about 12. Yeah, so. I get it because I, a huge part of my social life at this point in my life is dining out and fine dining and girlfriend times over cocktails. Like that's my little thing. Once a week, I meet at least one girlfriend and we have a cocktail night and I get to catch up with them one-on-one face to face. And I haven't done that in months and I feel so disconnected. And even when I've tried to patronize some restaurants in the area who are really where I live, I'm, I'm blessed to have restaurants strictly adhering to all social distancing and really driving home. And but there's because of that, they're having limited menus. They can't give you the same level of, you know, food sure. or co- whatever we need. Yeah, sure. service. So it it kind of doesn't make me want to go out, you know? That's what happened to me. The first couple of restaurants that opened, it's so funny. They were so focused on being sterile. They forgot to give me a knife and fork to eat. And I sat there staring at my food getting cold and I couldn't get my waitress. And I was with two girlfriends and they looked at me and they're like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm gonna need another cocktail. And then the worst part is, one of my exes walked in and sat across from me and I haven't seen him in a year and a half. And I'm thinking, so I get to stare at my ex and not eat 
without a knife and fork. This is fabulous. So no, yeah. even shopping now, like you want to go into a store and buy yourself something, whether it's comfy PJs or sweats. Cause of course, why do we need dresses and right. fancy shoes right now? We don't, but you go in and they're like, how can we help you? But they sound like, because there's yeah. a mask and a shield and your mask and all the fun. Like, like I said, I'm trying to find the beauty. I'm trying to find, like you said, now we can work from home. We're all getting, we're adapting, but I would love people to still extend that emotion of affection or care a bit more because it's almost like because we're so shielded, we have to kind of emote more love, more kindness because it's right. I think I think that's what I'm I'm being attracted to is the love I'm feeling, right? I'm attracted to my life before I'm I'm busy now like you and I were talking about before the show, but before COVID, even those cocktails once a week, they were scheduled 6 to 8 weeks out. That's how wow. that's how my calendar was. It was ridiculous. It's color-coded what city am I in? What's going on? And it was I needed some time to just say, "You know what? I can't." And I would purposely carve out that time for my girlfriends because I didn't want them to have to think that they they didn't matter. Like I, I wanted to still be a part of their life. So if that meant I had to schedule out eight weeks, that's what I did because I wanted to still be present, but I wasn't at home and I was all over the place. But now it's like, I can actually call and say, let's do a Zoom happy hour and get boozy on our patios, you know, and, <laughs> and just have this this time. So I agree with you. It's it's a tightrope. It's, it's a challenge. You know, it's... um. It's a new, I don't say a new normal, it's temporary. I think that there are a lot of great things will be birthed during this time. I pray that they will be um, as far as how we adapt, how we treat people, right? Remembering uh, how blessed you and I are to even be able to sit here and have this conversation and not be worried about our lights being turned off in the middle of this call. You know, there are a lot of people right now who don't know where their next uh, check or next finances are coming from. And that's not lost on me. So I am rolling around in the gratitude that I'm able to be free and continue to build my business and continue to pivot in a way that's relevant, right? During this time. I was, I was so proud of a bunch of my clients. They put on their Instagram. Some of my highbrow actors uh, had posted, if you are needing food or if you're needing baby formula, diapers, please just give me a name and an address. You don't even have to thank me. I just want to make sure you're clothed warm fed and we put it out there so many times and just got shivers i did the same and there were some really beautiful things that happened and, and you know mm-hmm. one of our shows the corner it's a cbc show that's shot here in canada but it's actually just got picked up by cw so it's airing in just a week in the states uh the, we donated all our medical supplies to the hospitals because of course there was gloves and masks and gowns and we jumped on that bandwagon after Grey's anatomy did it like during this time, I was trying to do whatever we could. So like I said, I'm trying to do this support system to actors. I was reaching out to my clients weekly. We were doing happy hours. I had my anniversary party of the company during COVID. Uh, so, and then we started the podcast and the podcast was really just to bring, you know, answers to actors, new experience with just what do you need to know? Because I think a lot of actors are, are lacking, uh, I think, encouragement or guidance from their teams. So like I said, there's been some beautiful things that have come out of this. Some emotional evenings for sure. Oh, a lot of wine drinking. <laughs> a lot of wine drinking. 
I think I'm peeing bubbles at this point. Like seriously. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I have never, I think when we were, in the, you know, I wasn't hoarding toilet paper. I was hoarding wine people. Okay. Like, <laughs> I had boxes and cases in the spare bedroom closet. There was like a little bit of toilet paper, a lot of canned goods, a lot of wine. Yes. I literally, my, my five-year-old goes with me to go. I just do everything. Like I just pull up. I say I'm outside and she's like, are we getting your champagne mom? Yes, we are. Pop oh, I it on in. Like <laughs> My daughter's now 23. So unfortunately we were separate during this time and I struggled so much. She was away at university and we weren't sure if it was going to go online. It took so long to go online. By the time it went online, Vancouver numbers were so high. So it was really hard. Like her and I are so, so close. And during this time, you have to be with family or you needed to be with someone. So actually me and a girlfriend bumped for two weeks oh, yeah. because we were both alone. We're like, we don't want to do this alone. Like, this isn't a time to be alone. And I think that's also important as I think people are trying to be tough right now and it's okay to not be tough. This oh, yeah. is hard and it's okay yeah. to say, this isn't easy. Even if you look like you're handling it, it's okay to say, I need a moment or I need a hug or I need support. So true. I think I've, I have never cried so much in my life as I've cried. Honestly, I am I am one of the, I think I'm probably, I won't go so far as to say I'm the definition of tough, but just letting water and roll off my back is something I prided myself in. But I have vocally been very vocal about the fact that I have not been okay. I have been crying, especially with all the social unrest here in America. Yeah. That crippled me for weeks. I literally cried every day for weeks where I could not, I just could not wrap my mind around continuously the things that kept happening. So I agree with you. It's um, it's been tough, but it's been tears. Tears make tears really make you feel better. I didn't realize how much tears could just change a moment so quickly. So I let them flow when they need to flow, and I keep on trucking. And if you're listening and you're struggling with that, let them flow. Let them let flow. Have that moment. I was eating ice cream for dinner some nights with wine. Yes. You know, it's okay. Do what feels right in the moment, but ask for help if you need it. And I suck at that. I, I really do. I suck at asking for like you. Water off my back. I'm tough. We're not all that tough. And you know what? This is unprecedented. No one prepped us for riots and, and horrific events and our jobs being stripped and our finances being rocked and you know, us being isolated from one another. That's not how we're supposed to be. So the people, a lot of my friends, when we talk about it, you know, it's that, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. No, no. How are you doing? And there's always tears. There's always a couple little, and then we sit and we let it go because it's okay. More Brunch and Slay after this. There's a place that shines a light on women who operate in excellence. A place that creates experiences for women and partners with entrepreneurs and businesses and brands who value your dollars. That place is brunchandslay.com. It's experiences you love, connections you crave, and content that inspires. Brunchandslay.com. We're building something. And now back to Brunch and Slay. Oh, man. So, of course, being in true Amira fashion, we have gone so far left. and uh, <laughs> But I love it, right? Because you're just one of those people. I see now why you have so many great clients. Because you, you, I feel like you're really, you're like, obviously, you're here. We're looking at one another. You guys can't see us, but we're here. We're eye to eye. She's seeing me in all my unglory. Okay, let's just be real. But, you know, you have this amazing career. And I, a, being an agent is something I only know from Entourage, right? Ari Gold. <laughs> That's actually one of my nicknames is Ari Gold. So there you go. One of your what? Nicknames is Ari ah, Gold. I love it. So how did you get into the industry? 
Okay, that is a story that normally requires tequila, but we'll just go for it. I'm having coffee. Uh, okay. I was married very young. My mom passed away of cancer and I got married at 19, got pregnant at 22, and I was working for a kid's clothing store. And unfortunately, I lost my job when I was pregnant. We'll kind of skip past that story. And I started working for an ad agency that wanted to build an in-house talent agency. And I had done an internship for this man in my teens. And I went to work for him. And he's like, just build a talent agency. I had no idea what I was doing. I just was like, it's a job. I'm pregnant. You know, I'm taking it. And of course, nothing. $600 every two weeks. You know, do what I can. I had to pick up a film list and code cold call casting directors and cold call films. And for some reason, someone up there, thank you, God, is looking after me. And I lucked out. There was a woman, a cast manager looking for a young girl. I had found a young girl at a mall and invited me to come down to the additions. I coached the little girl myself, drove her down, and she booked the role eight days on a movie of the week called Daughters. And that was my start. But I didn't know what I was doing. I was winging it. It was a job. I was pregnant. And then unfortunately, uh, my husband was accused of fraud. Our bank accounts were frozen. I, uh, went to work from home because I started going to labor from stress early. And uh, my boss of the ad agency fired me when my daughter was born. The day my daughter was born, I received a voicemail saying, either you work for free or you're done. Wow. So I launched my own talent agency two weeks later and I'd only worked for him for three months. I barely knew what I was doing. I was a basement suite, broke, bank accounts frozen. I think I had $10 in my wallet. And I was looking down this new little baby and went, I can do this. I'm going to start my own. And I did. Two weeks later, I launched Performers Management. Now it's been 23 and a bit years. Yeah. Wow. Talk about rising to the occasion. My goodness. Why do they like to kick us when we're down? I got laid off when I was six months pregnant. You know, I think that happened to me. You know, for me, it was, a bit, it was a lot long. Like, obviously, my daughter's 23. So 24 years ago, you could fire someone if they were pregnant. It was that just that fine line of where you couldn't or could. Mm-hmm. And I was coming up with these really great ideas. And the owner didn't like that I was coming up with ideas. And she thought I was because I was going to start actually a, a baby store. I wanted her and I to start a baby store that was going to call nine months. It would have everything you needed. I thought I'd have breastfeeding rooms, Lamaze classes at night. Like I had this really beautiful vision. I didn't know I was pregnant at the time. Mm-hmm. So I got pregnant. She thought I'd open this without, she fired me. It was game over. And then I was wandering around being like, what am I going to do? So luckily I did get this job and I had to walk to work and bus home and I was pregnant as hell. And yeah. And then I was my, my, Earnings were pulled, if you can believe it, when I sent a letter saying, well, I can't afford to work for free. So unfortunately, I guess we're done. He's like, well, you're fired. And he didn't pay me the last two weeks. We couldn't afford my rent. I had to borrow $600 from my family, my dad. And uh, yeah, borrowed an old computer, got a beeper for like $6 a month. (laughs) If I had to print something, I had to walk like five blocks to pay for a cheap printer. Wow. That's how it started. Yeah. My poor daughter, like she was raised with me on a cell phone negotiating. So when she was about one and a half, we were at the gap and she had like a fake plastic cell phone and she had trapped in her shoulder. (laughs) No, no, we're going to need more money. Like the first words that she would say in public were negotiation. (laughs) 
Oh, I love it. I love it because you know what? Guess what? Who's still standing, right? And now you've worked with talk. I'd love for them you to share some of the actors you've worked with and some of the folks that that you know they know and, and maybe some of the shows because I know people always want to to know who they're hearing. Sure. I, so one of my biggest clients is Sebastian Roche. He's off Originals, Man in the High Castle, Genius Picasso, um, which is Nat Geo. He's just come off Batwoman. One of my other clients, Serena Swan. She worked with Ballers. She was The Rock's love interest. For many, many moons, she was also on a bunch of USA shows like Breakout Kings and Graceland. I have a young girl that is just taking the world by storm, Anna Cathcart. She's off the Netflix huge success franchise to all the boys I've loved before. And now number two, three. And we have some exciting news to tell soon. We can't let it out of the bag. Um, and then there's just a lot of clients that you've probably seen on things like Stranger Things, which unfortunately don't rep that client anymore, but he was in all of season three. Um you know, they're kind of everywhere. If you've seen a Supernatural, you've seen Bates Motel, you've seen a counterpart, you've seen, we have uh, three people that just wrapped uh, Westworld. So, you know what I mean? Like, it just really depends. I have a guy on Bold and the Beautiful right now. He's all <laughs> opera digest. His name is Tanner Novlin. Uh, he's a new love interest for the next couple years on the show. And he's on Roswell as well. But it's kind of like, you kind of go with the flow. Like we're negotiating series right now that are hopefully starting in two months, but it, it's a new time. Like what we've looked mm-hmm. for and what's coming is unprecedented. Again, we can't predict. Right. So it, I'm kind of in the dark right now, just trying to navigate. But yeah, the clients just, you know, most of my clients I've built from scratch. Mm. So, yeah. So what is it that you're looking for? When you see someone, do you kind of just know at this point or or yeah. do, because I'm sure people, there's someone listening that's like, I need her. Like, well, how do I get in front of her? What 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 do I need to do to shine in front of her? So yeah, walk me through that. Yeah, uh, like I had a young girl, when I first started the agency, I was trying to cram myself into jeans. You know, like six weeks later, you're, I'm in this bootlegger, this tacky jean store, pulling on the jeans, trying to do up the button. And this woman can hear me. And she's like, do you need help? Can I hold your baby? I'm thinking, who's this stranger that wants to hold my newborn? But then her little girl came in picking her nose in the change room, you know, dirty, tomboy-esque. I was like, I need your daughter. Oh, what do you do? And told the story. She goes, no, my, my other daughters would love to act. Of course, this one girl, Shauna, is who I wanted. Well, right off the bat, she booked X-Men. She was in like Stephen King's, uh, what was the movie? Why am I blanking? One of Stephen King's huge movies. She did a ton of commercials. Every series you can imagine she did. She probably was worth half a million dollars at 12 years old. And we're backing this up like 18 years ago. Wow. Yeah. So that was just a a mall scout. So I look for something really special. It's never like, are you gorgeous? Are you tall? Are you fit? It's never that is, do you have something special? Do you have a star quality that I can't ignore? Sorinda, Mm -hmm. I talked about that was on Ballers and Graceland. She was a hostess in a Cactus Club Cafe, which is a restaurant here in Canada. I walked in and I was like, oh God, I have to talk to her. And I sat down. I thought, I want to just have a meal without doing my job. And my gut going, got to go back. You got to go back. And what's funny is there was a man sitting next to me on another booth with a big bouquet of roses that kept looking back at her. Well, he had broken her heart and he was trying to make up with her. Ah. <laughs> I solicited her at the same time. Anyways, wow. he almost eight months. And then, you know, her first gig was $200 that turned into a six figure deal. 
it originated at 200. So I look for something really special. Something has to mm-hmm. So I think this is a thing I always say, honor who you are and honor your essence and shine as bright as who you are. In other words, mm-hmm. if you are character, if you are short, if you have interesting qualities, use them, stand out. Don't try to fit into some mold that Hollywood has said we want. Be different, be special. Now, do you only represent folks in Canada or do you no. have any U.S.? Yeah, I actually have a lot of U.S. Uh, what happened was that a lot of my clients that started working in the U.S. on big television shows that I booked from Canada, I would go and visit. And then I would go to the States and start interviewing managers and agents for my clients. So I started getting, hey, I have a client that wants to work more in Canada. They're in the U.S., but we want to work them in Canada. So about 15 years ago, I started cross-border repping. And then I got my visa a couple years ago. And so I kind of act like a talent agent in Canada and a manager in the States. So I have about... 12, 15 in the U.S. right now, and then a few worldly, and then a bunch of Canada. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So what a, an amazing career and what you're doing and what you've created. I'd love to know about some of the mistakes you made, right? Because, you you know, we, we that's the biggest thing. I think- my husband? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as we're all trying to navigate a lot of times we love, I know I love seeing the finished product, but I also love seeing those moments, that fork in the road when this couldn't have been. It almost wasn't, but you chose the right fork. Like what was one of those moments in your career early on or even more recently that you felt like this isn't going to work, this isn't going to make it, or there was life was telling you it isn't going to work and it isn't going to make it and you chose to make it work. And how did you pivot? There were a bunch of those times, but I'll pick two. I, um, two that stand out to me is I remember I was finally doing well. Even though I was still in my basement suite, actors, some reason, trusted me. They would come into my basement suite, see me with a newborn baby. Half the time, I'd give them the child as we talked. They'd feed her. Um, and I was actually getting really great work. And all of a sudden, another agent had gone on set on a movie and had solicited two of my bigger actors I had built. And they left me in a row the same day. And I was holding this baby and I thought, those people just took me almost two years to build to that level. And someone just came in with some story, which by the way, they never fulfilled and removed them. And when I thought I could lose all that effort, all that work, do I really want to push through? Do I really want to go, is it worth it? And my gut said, yes. And I kept going. And then I moved to Barcelona about 11 years ago with a partner of mine. And I kind of removed myself from the business. I amalgamated my company, moved to Barcelona, and was going to quit. And then two of my biggest clients, one Sorinda, another one from like Battlestar Galactica, her name's Luciana Caro. I thank you both, said, you're not going anywhere. No matter where you're in the world, you're going to continue representing. It was after the 2008 crash and all the business is lost and the agency wasn't doing great. And I had this opportunity. I thought, I'm going to do it. And as soon as I got to Barcelona with these two actors, my first day when I dropped my daughter at school, I met one of the producers from the Woody Allen um, production company in Barcelona that did Vicky Cristina Barcelona. And instantly they're like, oh, you should come for an interview. I met a couple writers. All of a sudden I started representing writers. It was like, I could not get away from the business, even though I wanted to get away, but thank God the relationship fell apart. And I returned back to Vancouver and those two actors and the two writers saved my life. And I had to rebuild the entire agency from scratch. And I think the biggest lesson I can say is that 
only work with people that lift you up. I used to put up with people that would tear me down and be hard on me. And I thought I had to work with them because I needed the income. I thought if I didn't work with them, I wouldn't be able to pay my bills. I realized later my mindset was everything. If I knew money would always be there and I knew that I had to only work with good people and more good would come, it would be okay. Everything would work out. And so when I came back and restructured my agency, that was my motto and it's still my mantra now is that I will only work with people that respect me and care because I put so much love and care into my job that I need that reciprocated. Oh, that's beautiful. You know, that's 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 a tough one as an entrepreneur, right? Because these these it's it's easier said than done when we get those big checks, right? You get that check and it's like, oh, but this could do so many months of free thinking and peaceful sleeping. Uh, because that's what we're always at the beginning, especially, you're looking for ways to have that security. Yeah. And to realize that it's pulling on your soul. Like now I'm sure because you work with light. Even when darkness comes, you're not running, right? Because yeah. there's a love for and a passion for what you do. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of challenges in my job. And so I have to have a lot more fun with it. And so as long as I am choosing to work with passion and heart and work with people that respect me and treat me with kindness and trust me, trust mm-hmm. me in my industry, then we're going to succeed no matter what, or at least we'll be, have successful relationships. But there are moments where, you know, I still have a couple things that come up or a few relationships shift or change. And I, right now they're under the microscope, especially with this. Yeah. Now I'm really saying that, you know what? It's not worth it right now. You got to live in the moment. Got to be grateful. Got to just love kind to one another. Mm, I love that. Oh man. That was, uh, yeah, I love it. (laughs) So this Saturday you can brunch with anyone in the world dead or alive. Who are you brunching with? Oh God, that's such a good one. And there can be multiple people. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to have a bunch. Um, <laughs> God, there's so many people. Uh, I wish I had known this question in advance. I would have thought about it. <laughs> that's part of the magic. <laughs> trying to think of all the people that I love. I mean, Paul Newman, big fan of Paul Newman. Um, Sandra Bullock. I I look like her and I think she's a blast. I know she's not someone people are like, oh, you could have asked for someone really intelligent and interesting. But I, for me, I like to be with people that are fun. And I, I, well, one, I would love to talk to her about what happened to her relationship, but you know, I would love to sit with my mom. Mm, Yeah. My mom died a long time ago. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Don't, don't, don't. I hate to, I always make people tear up. Don't tear up. It's okay. I I love that. And 30 years, this last week. Oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm sending love, love, love. And I mean, that's that, the thing I think about that says so much, you know, about where we are right now is it's fleeting, right? And it's all about, and you and I talked about this perspective is everything right now. And, Finding joy in these moments, finding what your mom, I'm sure your mother would be so proud of the woman you've become, right? And knowing that, like, I i literally have been focusing on that that voice that you talked about that said, don't quit, that one that pulls you. And my business has done some major pivoting. We were already doing it before COVID and even now. And knowing the joy, following the joy, following the light, following the happiness. And like you said, forget 
just saying something because it's the one that everyone would want to sit with. I want to sit with people who bring joy into my life. And Sandra is definitely one of those people, right? She is yeah. she's the queen of resilience and class because she never spoke on the foolery that James did. And we know that there was some serious ridiculous ridiculousness going on. The classiness, the the true womanhood of continuing to raise your family and to grow forward and to do it in excellence. So I get it. She had a family on her own. She had a family on her own. I think the other thing I'd love to touch on is I think as women, you know, depending on how we were brought up, I had a lot of pressure to to be the best I could be because my mom wasn't around and I had to take care of my family and, and really it wasn't about me growing up. And so I'm trying to understand self-care. And I think Mm -hmm. as we get older, if we haven't had a strong female influence and we, I look to other women now, to be like, how do I dress? How do I walk? How do I, and I have since I was 15. Um, I think one of the biggest things I do is it's really important to talk to yourself and tell you, you are supported. You are loved. I know this sounds cheesy and I know some of you don't do it, but I'm telling you when I started doing that, my success soared and my life shifted for the best. When I started saying, I will have enough. I am enough. I am loved. I am good enough. And it's even if you just put them on sticky notes, mm-hmm. if you can't say it to yourself at night or in the morning and just to yourself, like a prayer, put on sticky notes. So when you like open your underwear drawer, it's like, you are amazing. You know yeah. what I mean? Open your No, print. I totally understand. Affirmations, a lot of people think they're cheesy or woo woo, but you can't be it unless you believe it. And the more you say it, the more you believe it. Yep. And it, that's just no way around it. It's no way around you loving yourself and knowing what you're worth. That's why you're able to get your clients what they deserve is because you know, right? And you believe and they trust you because you found something. You helped them bring out what was already there. That's that's the beautiful thing about what you've created. I love that you actively seek out people who you can cultivate and nurture because that breeds a special kind of loyalty. Ari Gold, right? I get it. I get it. <laughs> it was Mary McGuire. Now it's Ari Gold. Yeah, yeah. I, I get it. His, his mindset, like we talked about, I used to be like, oh God, these bills are coming in. I, I, can't, I can't afford them. Like they're talking about years ago or... I'm stressed now. I've been told you look at a bill and go, I am so grateful I have that bill because it means I live in this home or I have this bill. I can afford that cell phone. You have to look at it and thank it. Thank everything. Even if a breakup happens, if a client leaves you, thank it. It's saving you from something. It is telling you you are done with that person yeah. and it's okay. So again, I think, I don't know if you've ever read Gabby Bernstein, but she reads something. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> doctor, she's incredible. Obviously some Eckhart Tolle, like, I'm really big on trying to really love yourself. Mm. And that's why even though this COVID time has been so horrible, it's been a lot of time for people to Mm self-reflect and really go, am I happy? Do I need to bust my ass? Is this job worth it? Do I want to be in this relationship? Oh yeah. I believe the divorce numbers are going to be phenomenal in a good way because people are realizing it's not worth it. This journey is fleeting. Why are we spending any time doing anything that doesn't bring us joy? Exactly. Yeah. So how can we support you? What vibes and prayers can we send your way to help you along your way over the next, you know, few months in the next oh, year? Send lots of love, you guys. It, it's going to be, a, I think it's going to be a bit of a bumpy road, but just send lots of love. And again, just be positive. Find that purpose. Let's you all got it. Help each other. <laughs> no, you got it, man. Thank you so much, Michelle. Seriously, I have enjoyed our conversation. I could, to- I can't wait to go to VC. I haven't been to Canada yet, which is crazy. I can't believe I was supposed to be there in June, but of course, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> but 
I have enjoyed our conversation. And if you guys have enjoyed this conversation as much as I have, I hope you do one thing. And let's just tag Michelle and I and tell us what one thing you took away from this conversation. So where can they follow you and how can they support you and tag you? Yeah. So we have a new podcast inside the agency. So it's inside the agency podcast on Instagram. It's inside the agency online. We also have our agency, which is performers management. So we're on Instagram as at performers management. And then I'm Michelle Karen Govin. So you can find me everywhere. Yeah. We'd love your support. All right, y'all. So remember, no matter what, if she can, I can, we all can. This is Brunch and Slay.